I've been wondering, I've been wondering, how is God these days? And my wondering about how God is these days has caused me to wonder, what if our prayers began with asking, good morning, God, how are you today? And then waiting quietly, patiently for God to answer. And so for the past several days, I've been waking each morning by praying, Good morning, God. How are you today? And here's what I've heard. Oh, beloved child, I thought you would never ask. First, you know how deeply I love you, right? How deeply I love everyone and everything I've created. And you know that's everyone and everyone, right? I created it all and said, it is so very, very good. But sweetie, That's what God calls me sometimes. Sweetie, my heart is breaking for all of creation. The dreams and the plans I have for all of you seem to be unraveling. My dream was for everyone and everything to work and live in harmony for the common good. And instead, it seems that individual freedoms and self-centeredness has taken over. The earth is breaking down under the weight of misuse. A virus has spread around the globe that we knew might be coming, and yet you didn't prepare. And now some folks won't even wear masks or social distance, even though doing so helps the common good. Oh, and honey, that's the other thing that that God calls me sometimes. Honey, what are you all doing to your brothers and sisters of color? First, you enslaved them on plantations, and then you enslaved them with Jim Crow laws, and now you enslave them in an unjust prison system, and you allow a police system that unjustly and so often without consequence routinely abuses and kills black and brown people. Oh, honey, how am I? My hopes and dreams for everyone and everything to live abundantly seem to be unraveling. How am I? I am weeping over my beloved creation. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, God never chats with me quite like that. But God has been speaking to us through scripture and the prophets for all of eternity, which brings us to the reading from Jeremiah this morning. This is a story of dreams unraveling, both of God's hopes and dreams for the Israelites, but of course for the Israelites themselves. You see, throughout the book of Jeremiah, you will find stories of the prophet trying to teach the people how to live according to God's will. He warns them of worshiping false gods and idols. He begs of them, amend your ways, act justly with one another. Do not oppress the aliens or the orphans or the widows. Do not shed innocent blood. Instead, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. For 20 plus chapters in the book of Jeremiah, we hear God's instruction. For 20 plus chapters, we hear the prophet desperately trying to save the Israelites by having them follow God's teachings. But tragically, and finally, 
we hear Jeremiah on behalf of God sadly lament. I spoke persistently and you did not listen. I called to you, you did not listen. Well, the great artist Michelangelo painted his interpretation of how Jeremiah, and yes, perhaps even God, must have felt at this very moment of dreams unraveling. Jeremiah, lost in anguished meditation over the exile of his people, I spoke persistently, you did not listen. I called to you, you did not listen. And Jeremiah has to deliver even more bad news. Not only will you be exiled, but in today's reading, we learn that those in exile won't be returning home anytime soon. Instead, they are told to build houses, plant gardens, marry and have children, and then have their children marry and have children. In other words, unpack and settle in. You are in exile for the long haul. But here's an interesting note that cannot be overlooked in this passage. They are also instructed to seek the welfare of the city where they are in exile and to even pray for those in the city, for it is there they will find their own welfare. Their prayers should not be just about themselves. Their prayers should be for the common good. Well, the book of Jeremiah is so reminiscent of the Gospels, of Christ's ministry on earth. This new prophet, this Messiah, God incarnate, comes to earth to try once more to teach and preach that we might choose that ancient right path. The Gospels tell of Jesus's witness to God's love, a witness that centers precisely on the problems of violence, brokenness, conflict, and alienation. Jesus preaches love of neighbor and forgiveness. Jesus preaches against the powers that be that put their personal gain and their individual freedoms above the needs of the common good. He preaches against the political systems that oppress the poor, the alien, the widow, and women. He preaches peace. And just like Jeremiah, Christ weeps over Jerusalem as he witnesses his dreams for the world he imagined unraveling. Christ laments, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. And right now, like God and Jeremiah and Christ, many of us are weeping, weeping over unraveled dreams of equality, weeping over gun violence, weeping for the poor, the sick, and the dying, weeping over broken and dysfunctional political systems, weeping over systemic racism, weeping that we can't all seem to come together for the common good, weeping that our dreams are unraveling, and wondering how and where do we even begin to knit a world back together that truly reflects the good news of the gospel. By the grace of God, there are still prophets among us, clinging to the words of Jeremiah and the prophetic teachings of Christ, 
clinging to the hope of the really good news of the gospel. Well, one of those prophets is Lisa Sharon Harper, a prolific author and activist. She's recognized as one of the 50 powerful women religious leaders, and she is considered one of the nation's most influential voices on a faith-rooted approach to advocacy. Her latest book is called The Very Good Gospel, How Everything Wrong Can Be Made Right. Her thesis is this, we, the church and Christians in general, have thinned down the gospel. Thin religion lacks deep roots in scripture and Christian tradition. It skims the surface of sacred text, using what seems applicable in the moment without connecting the dots. To overcome thin faith, she writes, Christians need to study scripture and study it in light of the writer's historic and cultural contexts and look up the original meanings of words. It requires serious study and reflection. Thin faith often rests on what my pastor said on Sunday. Well, not that you shouldn't be listening to what your pastors say on Sunday, but don't rely solely on what we say. Thin faith may even look like a collection of Instagram memes that serve as life principles. Thin faith is when one, one's point of view becomes the highest authority rather than being rooted in scripture. Because thin faith lacks roots, it can be swept away, manipulated, and even marginalized so that it has no bearing on the public or private lives of the faithful. Witness politicians who claim when they are trying to get elected. If they have only a vague idea of what the sacred texts actually says, their post-election decisions are likely to bear little resemblance to thick faith. Without a thicker, deeper, more rooted faith, we will continue to struggle to grasp the prophetic voices still among us today. Without a thicker, deeper, more rooted faith, we too will struggle to live a life that resembles the one that God so desperately desires for us. Of course, the Gospels care about how deeply we are loved and comforted by our compassionate God, but the good news of the Gospels is also focused on attaining systemic justice for all, peace between groups, and freedom for the oppressed. It's not only about the future kingdom with our God, it is about our role in the character of that kingdom here and now. The very good gospel and its offering to make right everything that is wrong relies on us. Yes, with the help of God, but it begins with us to develop and live a deeper faith. It is up to us to unravel what is causing God to weep. It is up to us to listen and learn from the prophets of old who spoke, who begged us to mend our ways and choose the right path. It is up to us to revisit the words of the prophets who taught us to act justly, to not shun the alien, to not shed innocent blood. It is up to us 
to weave a world back together where our passion for the common good is more important than our individual desires or whims. It is up to us to break free from a thin faith and, st- and, and spend time studying and learning and then living the very good news of the gospel. Unpack, my friends. Settle in. We are in this for the long haul. Seek the welfare of those around you and pray to God on their behalf. Maybe even start your day by saying, good morning, God. How are you today? And then listen for what she has to say to you. And then let us work to end God's and Jeremiah's and Christ's and our beloved neighbors and even our anguished meditation and weeping. It is up to us. Let our work begin. May it be so. Amen.